it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Welcome back to Windowsill Chats. If you're here for the first time, I'm sure glad you have found us. I have a really great treat for you today. I met somebody online. It was one of you, actually. Sometimes this happens where you DM me and say something about one of the episodes. And then I always try and kind of look at your site and what you're doing. And this is an example of one of those times. I looked at Sarah Lorenk's site and I thought, wow, she's doing some really, really interesting things. So I wanted to have a chat with her so you could learn more about Sarah as well. She graduated with a BFA in 2011 and has worked as an independent artist since then. She first began her creative business as a stationery designer, moving from retail into wholesale before then switching it up completely and venturing into street arts. But she had, you know, a good kind of read on those two types of businesses. And then again, another. Sarah learned through several iterations of her business, the difference between artist and entrepreneur and realized there was a big gap in the market for supporting artists as entrepreneurs. Like, where do we get our support? Are you listening? Do I have your attention? Where do we get our support? Now, through Sarah's company, The Time Art, she provides artists with the essential tools and support to help them run successful and sustainable creative businesses. It's sort of like having an agent without having an agent, having a business manager, having somebody who really gets it because they've been there. So I really couldn't wait to have Sarah on the show and have a chat with her. She calls herself a business manager for artists. Part of her team does fine art virtual assistance for clients. So with both strategy and management, her team really covers it all for artists. And we really get into that. Here's a few of the things we talk about. Sarah's creative journey, of course, from stationary to graffiti artist, and then to business management for other creatives, selling wholesale versus retail as specifically a paper goods creator and what that's like. If you're wondering about that, it's a good conversation because they're very different. Setting goals in relation to who it is that you're marketing to. How do you align those goals? Visual intelligence. What is that? How does that relate to what we're doing? The fundamental differences between artists and entrepreneurs and why you have to have a bit of business structure if you want to turn a profit from your art. And sometimes we creatives don't really want to pay attention to that. And we have to. The pros and cons of social media. One of my favorites. Why you need to have what is known as content pillars and what they look like. So if you don't know what that is and you've never heard about it, keep listening. We talk about a lot of things, but I think you'll be really interested because Sarah's one of those people that definitely thinks on both sides of her brain and 
it is a lively conversation. And if you're in Patreon, I hope you hop over and listen to this month's creative prompt. It's a fun one. It's easy. And I'd love to see what you're doing out there. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, check the link in my bio and go check out our Patreon. We have a lot of fun in there. There's a live chat coming up this month where I'd love any questions you might have. So I hope to see you there. Here's Sarah. Sarah, I'm so glad you said yes to coming and talking to me today. I know it was kind of unexpected. Yes, I was so surprised with the invitation. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Well, I just, after reading a little bit about you and looking at your Instagram, I thought, oh my gosh, I think everybody would benefit from from knowing a little bit more about you. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your creative journey, how you got to where you are at the moment. Okay, well, I'm going to try to summarize because um, as most artists know, we go through so many. Yes, we do. It's a, it's a long journey. But um, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in fine art in 2011. And like most artists that do graduate, I assume that you don't get the business um, aspect of it in college. So I had to figure myself out after that because they, um, the university that I went to, they also didn't give me the networking skills to venture out into the fine art world, mm. which that's pre-social media time. So that was even harder. Um, so I did try, I remember printing out like over 500 portfolios. Obviously, the, all of them got like a, either a hard no or a hard silence. Between oh, gosh. Them. And then I was like, you know what, I'll just do it myself. So I began a stationary company. Um, and then I started retail, went to wholesale by participating at the National Stationery Show in New York. And then I did that for a few years, which I really enjoyed, like the business aspect of it. But then I, I was feeling like I needed to go back to my creative side. Um, mm -hmm. So then I had moved at the time to Sao Paulo. Um, which is the capital, it's an equivalent of New York City here in Brazil, which is huge. And I started seeing all of these graffitis like mm. everywhere, like huge, colorful murals. And I was like, I'm gonna get into this. So I, I at the time, I didn't even know someone who knew someone within that community, but I, I figured my, I figured it on the internet, started making connections and started painting, did that for a few years until COVID hit. And with COVID, I went back to the roots of studio art and then started selling a, a lot more with like my paintings with watercolors and my oil paintings. And during this time, I had accumulated over the years, like a lot of like the business um, aspect, which I've always really enjoyed. So then I started mentoring artists. Um, so I did that during COVID. And then in a few years, well, it's fairly recent still, but like in within three years, I've been mentoring artists. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like there is a lot of content of like how artists can be entrepreneurs, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, there's no one doing it for them. And even people that Correct. do it, like galleries or agencies, which is a new upcoming of a gallery format, but just like pairing with projects um, and clients, um, they do career management, but for the independent artists, like the ones that even do great at being entrepreneurs, it's still taking their time away from the studio creating. So I was like, yeah. I can do it. I love doing it. I'm great. Like I, I'm a certified project manager as well. I love people and I do like just to sit down and do it. So I created a business model, um, got a team and that's how I started getting to the business management for artists. I'm like, you know what? I'll do it for you. So then artists can be artists. And that's, I'm sure you have questions of like how I, I got have into so many questions. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, that's a summarized version. <laughs> that, you know, first of all, very impressive timeline as well, because you obviously are somebody that is curious about something and then figures it out, which I admire and love and embrace. And the whole thing of, and I would say this reminds me a little bit of myself in the fact that, yes, I can do my own creative thing, but I choose to go at it slightly differently and work with artists in a different way and work with art in a different way because there's lots of fulfilling ways to be creative, I think. So do you do your own art still? Yes. So now the way I do it, here's it, here's where we get into like the business aspect of it. I did before I completely gave a pause on the actual creating, which that is not scalable. Um, I put myself where I can make passive income with my art so that I still have revenue generating. Um, and then only sporadically, I'll like probably take a commission with a collector that I have already worked with. And collector is a fancy word for someone that just like bought multiple times from me. Sure. Um, that's my definition. At that's least. great though. Um, so it's because people usually assume like, oh, collector, someone fancy to someone that really enjoys my work. So sometimes I'll take commissions with that, but I have felt I'm, I'm a little bit on a, is hiatus the right word? You know, when mm -hmm. you give like a pause of that, I'm not as prolific as before. I'll just put it that way because my concept, I think my life has changed a little bit. Therefore my concept as well. And I haven't exactly figured how I want to adapt my art to that. So I'm mm -hmm. giving myself the luxury of allowing art just to be more of a creative expression with no, um, not depending so much on the commercial aspect of it as like selling and making a living off of it, except for all what I had already previously structured as passive income. So that's what I'm about to answer that. No, I'm probably not making as much art. Well, no, that's a really great answer and thought provoking because I think that you've obviously set up your business to make money and have some income streams in ways that are working. And that allows you, I would imagine, to do the art you'd like to be doing and do, you know, we all are certain times in our lives feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to dig into this. It's not always feeling as creative as it might. And I'm a big proponent of when you can find the time to just create from your heart or the mood that day, even though it might be just once in a while that that drives a lot more creative exactly. thoughts that way. Exactly. I think I love artists so much. And I think the thing that keeps us the happiest is when we are able to create um, original art with it. I mean, when I say concept, it doesn't have to be something super philosophical, but it's something that's meaningful to you. That's your mm -hmm. concept. And you're able to externalize that through your art and artists. Um, they do like it follows so much our life progression, like it mm -hmm. evolves with therefore it also changes whether it changes in technique because you're improving or maybe it changes in concept because you just want to try something else and it does come a little bit um in conflict with the commercial aspect when you're building a business because people buy through predictability through familiarity mm. that's why if you change too much of your style it can shock people a little bit because then you're going to have to kind of start over and help them understand that this is either a new facet of you um, that's why the strategies and everything involved. So as much as I love the business aspect of it, I love to protect the sanctuary of creativity within every artist. And I usually in the business model, that's the first thing I say, it's your art concept. This is what we're going to preserve. And that's what we're going to build on. Oh my gosh. I love that. Protect the sanctuary of that artist creativity. That's, mm -hmm. that's a lovely, profound way to look at it. I think because you've traveled the path you have and you've 
dipped into a lot of important areas to be able to support in the way that you do in the time you've you've done that, which I think is fascinating. I want to ask a little bit about kind of what were some of the drivers in your own life and your own practice that caused you to evolve from retail to wholesale. I love that you had a card line and I've done the very same, you know, retail, wholesale, manufacturing for other people. I I was just fascinated by those things and I wanted to learn about them. So I did them. What were some of the things that kind of drove you to dip into those different areas and find out more about that and take your art to those places? Oh, okay. So stationary, I had no doubt that I wanted to get into that. Like after I received all those no's, like the rejections, I was like, okay, like I know what I want to do. Um, because I love writing, just like journaling. That was always something that I enjoyed doing and giving people cards. So I was like, mm-hmm. why not do that with my illustrations, make greeting cards for different dates. So that for me was just like a very clear path. I love people. Like I, just, I, like, do, I like to do anything that promotes relationships. Because for me, at the end of, you know, at the end of the day, the value of life, it's like the people that make the value. It's one person, a community, a group, or whoever you're connecting with. So you, you'll see like, that's always like my, my main drive um, and stationary. Like, I think that promotes a lot like journaling. I just think that I, I think it helps people dig deep, get to know themselves better, or it's a means of education for studying. So like when I had my store, that's something that I would do a lot, like within the city that I lived in, like I would do those, like you buy one and then I'm going to donate one journal mm. to like the public schools that were in need. Um, so like nice. then every month I would just go and then we do like a workshop with the kids, like, oh, write wow. a poetry or draw or something. Um, and to get myself like going, like to get myself known within the city that I was, I would give like every weekend, I'd probably do like a discount for like schools around me. So like if you're a student at this mm. school, like <laughs> it's going to be a discount this weekend for you. So then I just wanted to promote like the educational aspect with my journals and then with the greeting cards, like for special occasions. So that's how I got into it. And then after getting that going, um, I just wanted, it's it's that idea of like seeing purpose and arts. I'm like, how big can I get? (laughs) Like, yeah. So I only participated once in the National Stationery Show, um, which was really good for me to already get myself into some stores and have the global experience. Um, So it was really interesting and definitely helped me with the business side of it. Um, But then it also, I didn't have as much contact with the final clients. So I think that made me feel like, okay, I think I lost touch with what I was actually doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The consumer of your product. It's always nice to hear the feedback. I mean, both are important. The retailer is going to buy your work because they want to have it in their store, but who's sending it or putting it on their wall or using it in their home or their life in in whatever way that is. It's it's very interesting, the two of them. And when you when you realize and start having those conversations with each of those different different kind of buyers, it it's like, oh, it's very much an aha. It's true. It's true. And even it's one of those. Um, I think classic situations where I know people who are yet to achieve their, their goals, they're like, oh, you're just saying this because you achieved it. But like, once you do achieve goals, it doesn't make you question what are you really valuing at the moment? You know, like, do I want, is, is it sustainable? Like, do I want to continue it? So re- I was much happier in retail because then I felt like closer to my community of what I was doing. Wholesale gives a lot of like, financial return in the sense of like, you're just growing bigger, but it was less people oriented in my experience. And then I didn't want to like create a whole team around that as well. So that also like personal decisions. Yeah, very much so. And it's interesting to watch other artists in their 
paths, you know, those that go direct to retail and or direct to consumer, I should say, and and really have grown it that way and then can directly respond to what people are mm-hmm. wanting versus, like you said, you can make a different kind of money going wholesale, but it's a whole different thing. It's um, you have to crank it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really do. So switching that up, did you just decide, you know, I want, I want to express myself in a different way because you really changed what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I went from stationary to graffiti. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. <laughs> the challenge, like, like, can I paint large scale? Cause everything was so like here. And I was like, hmm, like let me yeah. scale it up, go bigger, go home. Well, you're um, stretching so- yourself for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Um, I think I was really interested I was really interested in the challenge of um, scaling, like, and learning that technique. I had no idea at the time, the community, like at least here in Brazil, the community of graffiti artists, they are fantastic, but it is very, um, it, it is very, and I want to say this with caution, it's very political. And I had mm, no idea how mm, much, interesting. like, painting on the street, it's, it's having a voice It's you know, mm. like, I go like the street is for everyone therefore who can or who can't what you know like all of these concepts and I went into it like very naively thinking like oh I just want to paint here and I learned so much with that community like they are I would say despite all the different opinions and it's not about a green or not a green but I really admire they are hardcore like soul artists (laughs) they're like we believe in this and I will put my safety at risk so I can get my art across So of course, many of them do it through agencies and, you know, like we have the the household names like uh, Cobra, the Jamie is like, they're really big artists and renowned um, who obviously paint with permission, but it was a, it's a wonderful experience. I remember I found, like I said, I had no connections into it and I found this like really sleazy website that like pairs (laughs) graffitis with opportunities, like people that, oh, I want my logo painted or anything. So I, wrote, I was like, I'm looking for a graffiti teacher, but I like, I was going to reject. I knew I was prepared to reject most of them. Cause I'm like, I don't want to go with this random guy to a random dead end street. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I was like really nervous who was going oh to respond. Gosh. And I got a lot of like responses. I was like, oh, I'll teach, I'll teach. And I'm like, I was just ignoring most of them. And then by luck, by universe, I don't know, this one woman reached out to me. And she had also gotten her bachelor's degree in art and she was very influential in the graffiti community. And she's like, hey, I just saw like your message. I want to reach out. I'm going to be doing a workshop. Do you want to tag along? And I was like, I'd love to. So I did the workshop for three months. And then I, I just asked him, like, can I shadow you like to the graffiti events? Just network. I'm like, I don't have to paint or anything. I'll pay. Like, you don't even have to. You won't even know I exist. They just go. And she's like, of course, tag along. And she was so generous, like. For over a year, I just tagged along. I traveled everywhere in Brazil going to graffiti events because the graffiti events, they usually paint the um, public schools. So it has a lot to do with like um, social projects and everything. It was fantastic. So I shadowed her and for a year. And then after that, I was like, okay, I need, I need to make money with this. So yeah. then um, something that I can get into after is like the strategies that I do, like once you want to start selling. But one thing that I did was like, I did a, um, oh, how do you say this in English? I think it's like a giveaway, um, like um, a wall. It was during Christmas. And I said, hey, like I will paint a wall, like 
I gave them a specific size um, and I'm going to do a giveaway. So like whoever wants, participate, tag me, you're, whatever, just like all that stuff. And then on the day, one person was randomly selected, which thankfully I knew that person. I gave parameters of location as well because I'm like, I'm not going to travel across Brazil. Just right. <laughs> right. Um, but I gave parameters. And then luckily one person that I knew um, won this giveaway of me paint. So I went over there, I painted her wall, but everyone that participated gave me the feedback like, oh, they'd be interested in having my art painted ah. on their wall. Contacted every everyone, Smart. not that there were hundreds of them. There's quite a few. So I messaged everyone and I really thanked them for their interest. And I asked them, like, would you be willing for me to like do this painting in your space for a promotional price of this much? And I obviously it was very cheap at the time. Um, I think it was like 500 reais, mm. <laughs> like Brazilian currency. But then like 20 of them like closed with me. They closed the deal with me. So I'm like, fine. So let's do it wow. within like, a month or two. So I got my 10,000 highs like, yeah. for the month. And that's how I started my portfolio because then the more I did it, the more other people were like, oh, you do art. Can you do this flower? You know, whatever. And then projects started coming in. What a really clever way to get into it, which probably just kind of evolved because you thought, oh, all these people are interested. Oh, maybe I should, you know, follow up on that. Yeah. You said something about going into something that wasn't as safe, both politically, you mm -hmm. know, from greeting cards to graffiti is just a, it's a great, what a, what a trajectory. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, so many people were surprised like at the graffiti events. Because here's the thing. You, sometimes you even know the work of the person, but you don't see the artist themselves. Right. So then I arrive, you know, with my backpack, with my stuff and they're like, oh, like you're L Lorenko. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm here to paint. And they're like, oh, I didn't imagine you like that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> But I have to say, like, in my experience, which I know, like, not every sector or industry is perfect. But in my experience, like in the full year that I was just going to events, I've never been disrespected. And this is a highly male dominated area. So they like, yeah. it's a, it's a large community, if you actually count by number, like, at least here in Brazil. But if you look at the spectrum of Brazil, it's small. So you can mm. like, you cannot do anything or else it really, um, it targets your name afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I was, I mean, because of that, I felt like I don't, I really don't have any bad experiences. That's really a positive thing to hear because mm -hmm. I think especially it is a male dominated part of the creative industry and you wouldn't know, you know, it might be daunting going in. It's like how, as it was, you know, who am I going to find to teach me? But then mm -hmm. how, as you're learning that it's, it's actually kind of, political or, you know, whatever those words might be. How nice to hear. You know, I'm reminded over and over again that our creative community is very supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a good example. It, re it really is. I, I heard you talk about, I don't know if that was like, I don't think it was the last podcast because that one I'm yet to hear, but I think it was one before it where you were talking to an artist that you were talking about like how supportive like artists are of each mm -hmm. other. And I, I do think like in general, I, I feel like it can, most of the time it is very supportive and it can be, and I'm going to like, I do want to say this, it can be a predatorial space as well. Yes. And very hard, I think for, yeah, let's give this, let's be, let's be honest, hard for someone that's trying to find their way to mm -hmm. feel like there's room mm -hmm. and to feel like to have the confidence to do whatever it is put something mm -hmm. out there, send something, post your portfolio, whatever it is. It's, 
I think it takes a minute to realize, oh, it's really safe because you have to be brave at the same time. Yes. Yes. That is yeah. so true. I love that. Yes, it's safe to be brave. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Just thinking through that. <laughs> and it's over and over again, you know, and, and I think like you mentioned as artists, we are interested in so many things. I, I think that's comes with having a creative or stepping into your creative mindset, but that's the beauty of it is we get to try, mm-hmm. we get to change. And I think sometimes we do get stuck in oh my gosh, I've been making cards, so I need to make cards because that's what people know. That's what people expect. That's where my income comes from. But that's Mm -hmm. another bit of bravery to say, no, this is whispering to me or maybe even louder. And I'm going to honor myself and figure that out. Mm -hmm. It really, it really is. I mean, there are approaches to every time that you wish to pivot. And like, when you want to honor that pivoting, like, um, I would, I would say like for artists, there, there are aspects that I think you do have to put like the rational cap on and be like, okay, let me think of this in a strategic way. Like, so you want to honor like the, the feeling of what we're feeling pulled towards. But so like in my case, like financially, when we think of like artists making money, cause we think of like all oh, the ones that are doing it, like it's because it's a constant of cash flow. I think in parallel, like your finances do have to be in order that can be through having other mm-hmm. investments or like just a safety net, emergency funds or whatever. So that right. like you can um, create the transitions more like with more ease and mm-hmm. also understanding that when you do pivot into a new area, there has to be um, there has to be a form of there has to be an awareness that you are going to have to invest financially to gain space where you want to not and yeah. not only professional space but like um invest in a course or invest in a mentor mm-hmm. like right like, try to invest in that because I do feel like artists I understand that some especially if you're at a point where like well my art isn't selling so if it's not giving me the funds I don't want to invest you know in something else right. you know the whole thing of investing in assets is it a liability like just understanding all of that but pivoting has helped, like, if you do have, like, the behind the scenes, at least a little bit organized, you know, financially and understand that, yes, like, if you want opportunities, like, sometimes with the galleries, like, nowadays, galleries, their business model um, is adapting by participating in bigger fairs. They have, like, various business models, but, like, they are slowly uh, moving away from the traditional because their same goal is to sell art yeah. as artists. And if we're struggling, they're probably struggling as well. Which right. not probably they are. They get statistically, we know that some of them are. So, what has been their new um, approach? A lot of their revenue, they are trying to strategize it through artists, which is like, oh, I'm going to participate in this. Can I represent you there at this specific fair? So, you're not an in house represented artist by them, but right. they are like, I hear so many people saying, oh, I just received like a DM or an email, and they asked me to confirm if it's legitimate because I do the research and everything. Uh-huh. And many of them are legitimate, but I'm like, well, this is just a new business strategy, which yeah. is fine. Like, there's no harm in that. Um, it, it might come with a little bit, like I said, um, and I, I can't determine the intention of every gallery and person within that per se. So I'm not trying to be harmful towards that. But I, I'm, I'm against like any form of marketing on people's desperation, whether it's in the mm-hmm. art world or outside right. of it. <laughs> Yes, 100%. So I do see like galleries like, oh, hey, let's collaborate. Like we're going to be at this event. Like, can we represent you? And artists think that's going to be a great opportunity. And then they get the quota, which is like, oh, it's this, that, like however much they're charging. 
But then I tell the artist, I'm like, that's no harm in that. Because if you do want this opportunity on your curriculum, yeah, you're going to have to invest in it. And it's right. okay. You know, that it just has to align with your mission. Right. I think that I, there's so many good things to touch on there. Plus it leans into the other part of your business that I can't wait to dig into. But, <laughs> you know, I think to that point of spending to grow and kind of choosing I was going to say choosing wisely. Sometimes we just do it because it sounds interesting, which there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. But at some point too, say a mentor or someone mm-hmm. um, that can help you with your business, whether it be, like you said, a class or mm-hmm. working with someone else, um, often it really kind of clears the path for you. It mm-hmm. it it might organize your mind. It might organize it hone in a t- on a technique and then you are able to get that money back. You know what I mean? Yes, because exactly. you're you're all of a sudden clear on what you need to do to go to a gallery or mm-hmm. apply to a show or whatever that might be. So just a little reminder that sometimes it seems like an uphill climb, like, oh my gosh, should I spend that? But if you can look at your what your gains will be from that and realize that it is really probably going to mean if it's in alignment with you that you will make more money and step into your path or your value or your worth a little bit more you've got to do it you got to do it i i love what you said because that's exactly this like like in some cases oh i'm going to invest in a mentorship or something um receiving insight i don't think people understand sometimes it's not an immediate fix to financial things but it can promote that. Like you said, it gives you vision, it gives you clarity, which that in itself will result in the strategies and like, and then what you, what you receive back. So when I'm like the, um, I help artists so much, like understand contracts, like before they sign it, after they sign it, like what's going on. And so much of when I'm like helping them understand, Margo, I, I love it. It's so millisecond and it's just like millimetrical, but I see their eyes like understand it. And I know I'm like, I just saved you a year or two of like bad yes. decisions, which also would influence your financial decisions in with arts. I'm like, I just saved you a lot of money. I don't say it, but I think it because I see the awareness if they understand it, if they hadn't changed the perspective, the mentality, or the awareness of what they were doing in regards to the, well, the collaborations yes. or whatever they're doing, they would insist on that for at least over a year or however long that takes for you to wake up and be like, no, like I don't think this is right, you know, until you actually learn the lesson. So sometimes a mentorship can already give you that insight. And you're like, oh, okay, I see now. Oh my gosh. It, it, it's invaluable. I mean, mm-hmm. the the mentors that I have and I've worked with and the mentoring that I've done and how I've seen it, and I can't wait to hear more about yours. It's mm-hmm. just, those are the things. And as artists, there are very few places to turn. And I think that obviously one of them is having an agent and having an agent that you have a really mm-hmm. good and wonderful relationship with which is also very important because that can go both ways. However, mm-hmm. I think for many artists, for illustrators and people like that, or people with galleries, whatever that is, books, things, that's not easy to get. You can't, it means they have to have space. It means that they have to see um, a, a 
fruitful relationship with you, et cetera. So I can't wait to hear more about your model and how, what you're doing. So how did you decide that mentoring was the next step for you after being just fully hands-on? I, oh, it wasn't really as much as a decision. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a talker and I don't like, oh, I don't gatekeep anything. Like I just, I actually want to take a step back like and say like I think so much of what I love about art whether uh is is I love artists. I love yeah, art. Like I I know my life like however long I live it's going to be devoted for the art sector. I just love yeah. it so much. Um I read I mean I've always been passionate about it and then I finally was able to understand my what art means to me. And I use this definition like also with my clients um or just like with anyone because I think artists, like if you don't understand your value, like we know what a dentist right. does, know what right. a doctor does, an electrician or an architect, like any profession, we understand that it kind of adds value back into society. But when we look at artists, we're like, what does an artist do? We yeah. always undervalue it as yeah. um, a glorified hobby that if mm-hmm. it's done well, like if you have a, you know, a nice aesthetic or good networking, then it'll be successful. But then what is the purpose of art? So I read a few years ago, I read a book and I am actually reading it now. So that's probably, it's like really fresh in my mind. Mm. Have you ever heard of like visual intelligence by Dr. Amy Herman? Yes. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Yes. So So interesting. So much to dig into there. I know. So like, as you know, like basically what she does is she takes like, I don't know, FBI agents or politicians or just like doctors, whatever. She takes professionals. And she perfects their skills of observation, taking them to galleries and museums to observe art. Yeah. The whole thing, just when I first kind of realized her approach, it just blew my mind because I don't know how you feel, but I, everybody's creative. Everybody has that way. Isn't thinking and coming up with a new idea creative? I mean, don't you have to have, granted, it's analytical, it's intellectual, it's all those things. But to make it different and to make it like work slightly differently, approach it differently, to me, that's creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, beyond creative, I call it genius. I think artists, we're a species of undervalued geniuses. Mm-hmm. And it was through mm. her book. I love that. <laughs> a species of undervalued geniuses. <laughs> I write yes, that down. <laughs> And I, after reading her book, it clicked to me. I was like, okay, artists, we create sensorial experiences to elevate emotional intelligence. So like during COVID, Netflix carried us on its back. Like we watch series and movies because we don't want to, we don't need necessarily to live it, but we identify with an adventure or a romance or a drama or suspense, like whatever with books we read even like even if it's not a fictional book sometimes it's a self-help book and the art of putting words together that just makes so much sense Mm -hmm. you know and then music I get goosebumps of a song that makes me remember something or whatever Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. paintings whether it's conceptual or if it's just an aesthetic that either I like or I dislike it's a sensorial experience that elevates my emotional intelligence and I think that as society that is our purpose as professionals so why I decided to mentor is because I, I fall in love with artists like all the time and I don't want to gatekeep what can work because right. I don't believe in the competition of artists. I do believe in growth. Sometimes like, please don't plagiarize someone else's work, you know, like all of that. Sure. But I'm like, let's 
Let, let's grow. And it being so unique, like that's why I go back to the art concept. If it's meaningful to you, maybe it's even the same topic as another artist, but it's always a different fingerprint. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Yes. So that's how I decided mentoring with artists. Like I was like, I would, I, I use this charge method. It's also a sales method for my artwork on social media where I call it bid your price. So like during COVID, everyone was like opening the question box and bo the question boxes, you can receive questions and it's discreet because you can read them and share the ones that you want to post. So I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's an interesting auction form, like for artwork. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do that with my artwork. Um, I'm not going to sell my masterpieces, but um, I would always receive like, oh, art is unaffordable or something like that. So I'm like, fine, I'll just bid your price. What do you want to pay for it? Like, how much uh -huh. would you invest? You know, I won't put a number attached to it. It's invest your value into it. So I created parameters. Of course, I'm like, I'm not going to like sell if it's ill-intentioned, you know, like, right. people try to, oh, you know, bid a really low price. And I obviously won't go into the cost of production of the artwork, you know, the paper, whatnot. But I would always do keywords as like, you need to invest your value. And a lot of people would ask me like, oh, but what's the average of people bidding? I'm like, I'm not going to say it because it's how you're the one that's going to marry the artwork. You're the one's going to take it home. So what right. does it mean? Is it, is it worth a lot that you're going to be proud and say like, oh, I love this. And when people, you have visitors over, you're going to talk about it. Or is it just like, yeah, I think this will be good, you know, in my bathroom or something. I don't know. Right. Just like, that's right. So I did that um, first with my artwork. And then it was really funny that every day it was so much fun. Great return. And I like, I encourage people to do that. If you're doing like a studio sale, if you have like sketches studies, do a bid your price, like throw it on <laughs> your Instagram, like you'll make some cash and artwork that's probably just laying around in your studio and it'll be fun. Well, and it feels that way. It, it feels accessible to people or they at least feel included, you know, whether, whether they take that piece of art home or not, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> it's for me too. I think original artwork should be for everyone too. Like, I know it's hard. I, I understand the math, the time investment that artists do to create. And I understand that like printing is an affordable version of an original artwork for people. But I like, like I'm going to speak for myself. I love doing the bid your price method. Um, method is just a format. <laughs> um, because it really gave people the opportunity to buy something that they could see the texture of the paint. You know, they could have, yeah. I because it does do something different. It really does. I'm, I'm, if I'm piece. ever looking at someone's artwork for sale, I always go to originals. If if, if, if there's an Etsy shop or whatever, and it, you can, you know, do it mm -hmm. that way, sort that way. I just love an original. I can't always afford to take that home or mm -hmm. it's not always the right time, but oh, there's something like that's the one. That's the thing that that person made. I, I love it too. The, the artworks that I collect, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter how many years I have it. Sometimes I'm just like drink my coffee. You know how you're wandering around the house and then sometimes I'll just like step in front yeah. of it. And there's always something new to find, to see, mm -hmm. appreciate. So I'm a huge advocate for original artwork. Like I said, like um, this was a method where I was able to give accessibility for people. And also, um, again, a strategy to get feedback on what is the range of your audience to pay for artwork. So mm -hmm. because with the frequency, you start seeing like, okay, this is the range. So especially yeah. for like new artists, we're like, oh, I have no idea how to price. Like try doing a bid your price, see what your audience can afford. And then once you start creating artwork, that's more original um, because unfortunately artists try to resort to commissions and then they right. do catch 
up on commissions, but then how do you get back to your original artwork? Like how much right. would you know how, how much people would want to invest? Anyways, rabbit hole. Um, so like going back to the bidder price, I did this also for my mentorships. I wanted people to be able to access um, me with whatever they could invest. Nice. So I did that for a while. Some people were very generous. Um, there was one that was like, oh, this is too much. You don't have to. It's like, it's not yeah. that much. <laughs> it's usually one sitting of a meeting and I'll be able to like mentor you. Um, but anyways, I was just able to like open up for a lot of artists. And that's how I started with mentoring. It's like sharing all my tips and tricks, anything they wanted to know as documents, certificate of authenticities, shipping, packaging, strategies. I'm like, here, I'm like, take all of me. <laughs> so speaking of, I'm sure people are like, all right, get to what she does because I want to know more. <laughs> I, 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 I was so curious to ask as my very first question. Okay. Tell me all about your business, but I, I love <laughs> finding out more about what you've done because to me that just is such an amazing foundation for then being able to work with other artists because you have, mm -hmm. you have really embraced many different aspects of the art and you're obviously a thinker too. And I can really relate to what you said about, I just absolutely love my passion is working with artists, watching them grow, watching them get further than they, than they knew they could. And all of us benefit from, mm -hmm. from a collaboration or just somebody giving us feedback, somebody yeah. we trust, somebody we, we, we appreciate what that feedback would be. It's not always, mm -hmm. it's not always what we want from everybody, yeah. but, but <laughs> no. to be able to make a business out of that is certainly what I've, I've done as well. But we, like you say, we all have our different fingerprints and I feel mm -hmm. like you've found a way just from what I've looked at online to, to be something for artists in the market that's missing, mm -hmm. completely missing. So tell me, tell us about your business and what that looks like and, and how you, structured it into what it is now. Perfect. I will tell you everything. <laughs> All right. So like I said, I was mentoring artists and of course they're, I mean, let's start with like the whole story. If you don't mind, I, I will get yeah, to please. <laughs> I promise. But like one thing that social media did very well for artists is give artists visibility. It did change the game. Like before the art world was um, wonderful sectors, you know, like galleries, agencies, all of that. But it, the value of the artists did, there was not much independence for artists. And that's why social media gave artists like independence to be like, hey, I'm my own business and I can make money directly with people, with an audience of people that would like my artwork. Great. And that's optional. Like some artists are still in fine art world. Others are independent. I think all of them are wonderful. But what came with social media and artists gaining that independence was literally, I it's just the... um assuming the artists would have to be entrepreneurs and those differ on a DNA level, yes. like artist entrepreneur, you yes. can be both. Many artists have proven themselves to be amazing entrepreneurs. Many enjoy doing it. So that's wonderful as well. But I felt like artists didn't have the option to not be an entrepreneur right. if they just wanted to be an artist, because no, if you're going to be independent, you have like, I will say this, if you want to use your art to generate revenue or to make any form of cash flow, and you're going to deal with clients, like if you're not going to do this just as a hobby, you're going to do this as a form right. of commerce, you do need business structure. Yep. So my idea with the time art is I'm at least going to give you the option, like you can do this yourself, 
like that's fine. But if you don't want to, we can do it for you. And I can go in exactly what that means because running a business yes. is a lot. So I will get into that, um, which way I can actually get into right now, which basically is like this. When you're setting up a business, whether you recognize the phases or not, you're going to go through three steps, the strategy, implementation, and then management. Mm -hmm. Strategy is having the vision. Like, what are you doing? That's why a lot of artists, they test things out. Like I test it out stationary. I test it out like, I don't know, galleries. Mm -hmm. Like, let me go into graffiti. You're testing things out. If it works, then you want to monetize on top of that. Um, and you, that you just build all the strategy is like the idealization part. Once you know what you're doing, then you have to implement it. So like, oh, I wanted to get into graffiti. I need to network. I need to find someone. So like the act of, you know, finding a website, shadowing a person, that's all implementation of what I strategized in my mind. After those steps, when it, all implementation is set, like, oh, I need a website. I need an online store. You need to implement all of that. Once that's in place, then you just need to run it. Mm -hmm. So what we do as of right now, um, because we're in the early stages of the business as well, is we do all three of these categories for artists. So we sit down, we have meetings like the strategy part is we first we need to understand your business model, which that kind of is like in my experience with artists, they know what it is, but it's still a foreign term. Like, how do I translate my creative practice? Right. And it's fairly simple, like, like we start with the art concept because this is going to be the soul of your art. If you don't know it, we'll help you figure it out, you know, through strategies. Love that like, too, that you help like, with that. Oh, yeah. Like, what? what is it? Like, it's, it, it's like therapy. You find yourself in the quietness. You might like do a yeah. lot of punching and pulling, like in chaos and all that stuff. But like your high, not highlights, your insights come like in the quiet. So I really encourage artists to like, have a sketchbook, pencil and plan, and then just see what you gravitate towards. Is it landscape? Is it abstract? Is it like, first you want to find your muse and then your motif? Like what is something, what's the visual? Is it an object? Is it a line? I don't know. So we help them find it and then understand why they do that, which I'm not a therapist. So please don't. Yeah. <laughs> just helping, like I help put words into like what you naturally gravitate towards. Right. Um, and then from art concept, we go to financial goal. This is the business model. It's literally a skeletal structure. Art concept, your financial goal. First, we allow the artist to be ambitious. And then we help them understand what it takes to get the financial goal. So if you have a financial goal, it's going to need to be translated either into a product and or a service. So right. you can have either or, or a hybrid of those. If you have a product, then we're going to calculate production. So, oh, I do like one collection of artworks per year of 12 original pieces, and they both amount to, I don't know, 10,000 if they all sell. Great. Is your financial goal 10,000 a year? Oh, no, like it's 30,000. Okay. So if it's not original artwork, we need to add something that at least inventory can equate to your financial goal in case you sell everything. And the same thing with services. So like services can be commissions, it can be art education, you know, it can be live painting. It's usually something that's not as original like from the artist you usually have a client's vision in mind um but then services availability so let's map it out in your calendar your availability if you have let, let's say like you full up your calendar like in the whole year with what you want to do with services is that going to match up to your financial goal mm -hmm. you understand what i'm saying so like i love what you're saying financial goal and then we translate that into products to make sure everything is aligned and for us to see if it's sustainable because mm -hmm. then that's how we strategize the 12-month plan. Because maybe this first year, let's do it like this. And then maybe next year, let's grow. Like, then we, like, 
it's so beautiful. I like, I have the business model template that I can send to you afterwards. Cause then you can literally just see it. Like it's kind of like roots or branches. Like it just yeah. branches out the more you want the business to grow. I love From that. Your products and services. You go to commerce location, because if you have products and services, mm-hmm. where, 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 right. that's the question. Right. <laughs> where, how, and yes. where, yes. Is it first, is it yours or is it a collaboration? Is it a virtual or is it physical? So like, if it's yours, do you have a brick and mortar store? Mm-hmm. Do you have a website? Oh, I don't have a website. Well, that's on the to-do list then. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, if it's a collaboration, like do you have a gallery representing you? Because that's a commerce location. If that's where right. the exchange is going to happen, then let's put it on your business model. And then from the commerce location, we go to the last part, which is the marketing channels, because that's mm-hmm. how... I, I love helping artists understand like marketing and I understand the whole terms that we have nowadays. Even I feel a little ooh, like <laughs> with the marketing yeah. terms nowadays, but I'm like, marketing is just like, it's your responsibility to bridge people's experience with your art. So yes, social media is one of the best forms, but you like, don't forget like the physical places as well, because physical is usually the most impacting, but we just do everything like, oh, is it Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, newsletters? We're just trying to ch- find all the channels where people can experience your art mm-hmm. in different levels. Newsletters, you can go deeper and it's not intermediated by the algorithm. But stories, you can do like a question box. You can ask, you know, there are just so many ways. And we help artists like take full advantage of that. And frequency breeds familiarity and people buy when they're familiar. So like this. Right. So the. Am I talking too much? You want to? Play? No, no. I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm so in alignment with what you're talking about. And I'm so, I'm combination of blown away and a hundred percent like nodding as fast as I can that you're doing this. I wrote, I just wrote down, it's your responsibility to bridge people's experience with your art. And, and that was just, you know, touching on social media and I don't want to like stop your, stop your um, train of thought, but the fact I would imagine anyone listening is going, oh my gosh, yes, because we intrinsically know we need to do these things to succeed, to have a business, whatever. But most of us as artists don't want to, if to just to lay it out, or don't know how, or aren't comfortable with it, or know we need to, but something else comes up and to have someone that can look at your work, listen to you, hear you and say, Hey, here's what you need to do to figure out this monetary goal or whatever the goal is that you want to get to. Let's break it down. Instead of that person going, what course should I take to figure this out? Hey, dad, how do, what do you think about this? Or, hey, friend, what do you think about? And, and to, to know that there's a place and a person they can go to who has been in the trenches, that's, I just, I'm, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> because, you know, we all do this in a certain way. And, you know, there's people like Lilla Rogers who has great experience and she's teaching what she knows. I, you know, love to help and teach what I know. But my favorite part is the connecting of the people with the other people they should know and what they need. And I feel like that's what this conversation is. It's just you all like, listen to this. There's, there are resources, find the right one for you, but you have to think business if you want to be an artist that's going to get your work out into the world in any 
amount. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just started in the strategy part, which is setting up the business model. And mind you, this is more for my end of my job because I need to know what I need to do. Yeah. With artists, I just really want them to feel like they have the authority of a business owner because their art is about them. So like I just... I like to give them clarity of everything that we can do for them, but that they know that, okay, this is where I'm going to delegate because obviously there are parts of within the business model, like I can't create the art. So we already know that's on you, but then like we highlight what will be us, which is the next step of implementation. So like, let's say like they have the concept, the financial goals, and then, okay, we established like the products and the services. So like, then we look into the products and services and I help them. Like we go into long hour meetings of like, let's hash out the workflow of this and the cost, because I'm already setting up their financial database with the formulas. If they're wholesale, what's the percentage? I literally do everything for them, but I need the information to be able to do it well. So then we look into the workflows and our first idea is like, first, we need to implement as many automations as possible. So then it's less work for everyone. And nowadays there are so many platforms that, that create that availability. And then we need to know that whatever's reoccurring, that's what we're going to do for you. And then on top of that, we're going to like, just make sure that we have platforms of like, so like, um, help me with my marketing in newsletter. That's fine. I like, I literally write most of the scripts. And I share it with my clients through Google Drive and they can just edit like just to give their tone of voice. But it's right there. They already give me the top and all that stuff. That's what me and my team does for artists. Mm -hmm. So we go through, like I said, we go through the strategy, the vision, the business model, what the artist wants to accomplish with their art. Then it's like the implementation phase. Oh, I don't have a website. I don't have a portfolio. I don't have a commissions page. I don't have terms and conditions. I don't have this or I don't have the newsletters or I'm an art educator. Um, I need to record my classes. Boom, boom, boom. We do everything. We put a time frame because like through our like transparency is our motto, like of keeping everything like super up to date. After we have like everything from the strategy, we map it out on the calendar so that they can have a realistic expectations of what we can do like on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And then as we do them, we're checking them off through a Kanban project management and then boom, 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 we're implementing And after we have everything like set the infrastructure of the business, which they will keep up with um, and see everything, be able to visualize, then then that's the fun part for us, which is just managing. (laughs) We're like, yep, we just keep it afloat. We have the systems, the workflows, the order, which we also keep it on a weekly basis. So that's like the, the structure. And like I said, this is just us like making it very obvious But even if you're not working with us and even if it's subconscious, but you are going through all of these phases on your own, like if you are setting up your creative practice as a business to make money. Yeah. And I love that this model can relate to many types of creative businesses because you could be a fine artist. Like you said, you could be teaching something. You could be wanting to do a book, whatever that might be. Maybe you're setting up a salon. Who, Who knows what that is? But you're looking at the you're looking at it holistically and saying, "Here, what's your goal? Here's how to get to it. You're using parts of your brain that not all creatives have access to, I think. No, that's okay. And that I think has to do a little bit with the nature part, like um, of being an artist, which takes me back to like, I don't think we know what the world would look like if we gave artists 
the whole time to create and to be valued for it. I think a little bit of the time in history that we got that vision was during like the medieval times where artists had patrons and they had time, like years to create artwork. So that's what we see as incredible, like in size and technique and like just the, but nowadays it's been years I mean, centuries that artists yeah. have been able to just have the, the full time to be creative and to add value into the world through art. Because that when we go to like, I don't know, like the Met Museum and we're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Anyone like the, a person doesn't even, even have to be involved in the art world. They're right. amazed at the artwork or the Sistine Chapel or something like that. And I'm like, if we were able to give artists today, you have all of the time of the world to create and you're going to be valued for it, the world would be a completely different place. It really would. So I want to just like, I'm, I mean, I'm only beginning. And I even, I'm going to say this because I don't know if there are other like businesses, you, Margo, anyone else, like I will be more than glad to share my business model because I'm not going to be able to work with everyone, all the artists. I don't want to work with everyone. If you want, I can share with you that you can start like something similar. At some point, I probably will be licensing this business model because I want to be propagated, like go help artists, like all around the world. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, this is just really an exciting thing to think about. And what I come back to, I, I really do feel like I could sit and talk to you about this for hours. I what I that. come back to <laughs> is the, the fact that the only other, there's not very many ways to get what you're offering right now, besides having an agent of some sort that can say, no, we'll look over your contract for you or hiring, a you know, different people for different parts of this, an accountant, which of course are all important things, but you bring the umbrella picture to it with the experience. I've done that for years too, kind of collected different contracts, for example, because I've worked with so many artists and they will bring their contracts to me. And and I, somewhere on my, in my Google drive, I have a folder of like so many contracts because I, I thought a long time ago, I should start saving these because I'm curious as to how they differ, but I'm not a lawyer, you know, things like that. So I just love that you saw the need for this and your passion being at creative, but also working with artists, it just aligns so much. I know we're, we've been chatting for a while, but I'm, I hope it's as interesting for you listener as it is for me. Tell me kind of how you see it evolve, like how it's gelling. Is it coming together? Well, sort of how do people, how do they learn more about this? Where are you with all this? Okay. So as of right now, um, we are in the early stages, early stages of the business. We're like, we're not well known yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to be very honest. I feel like the first impression that artists have, like, you know, when I'm reaching out, talking is like, oh, this is too good to be true. And I'm like, okay, mm. there's a catch to it. Like, mm-hmm. So it's re- it's really doing like baby steps. Like, cause I haven't like, I'm starting to ensemble like a marketing team so that we can like, okay. Cause I'm understanding m- more like what I do. Cause I had a, a phase where I needed to understand artists through my personal experience. Cause it's one thing sure. like, oh, to be an artist myself and then to mentor them. But like, even to create, the system of like what I can offer so that I know exactly how to guide the artist because I don't want to give them more work. Well, not even mental. So and the more people you work with, the more people, the more you know what they need. Yes. Now it's getting pretty easy to see Mm -hmm. the the patterns. That's Mm -hmm. what I would say patterns. Um and even like I'm gonna be very honest, even when some artists come to me and I'm when I talk to them and I can easily say I don't think I'm a good fit for you. 
Because everyone mm -hmm. thinks like, oh, business, well, then you're going to help me make money. But when I look at the goals, I'm like, I don't think we're a good fit because like I would say like my the best clients for me would be independent artists. Mm -hmm. I can work mm -hmm. with like fine artists, but if you really want to be in the fine art world, that's more about like networking. You know, there's a, there's a whole different strategy, which as for me, I'm like, we're a business. Like I work with independent artists. Like if you want to, so you know what I'm saying? So I Not have that. like more of a specific profile with artists um, so that I don't frustrate their expectations um, and vice versa, because I also get frustrated yeah. if I'm able to help that. So how, how do people know, um, about me? Like I always, as of right now, I'm available for anyone to book a call with me. Like literally mm -hmm. I don't, as of right now, I don't offer consultation services. If you book a call with me, I put it there as like half an hour, but like, I, mm, I do not cap my time when I'm like yeah, with people, same. it's <laughs> natural and organic. And it's like, you have questions, ask me, I will be here devoted to like, like to answer and talk as much people want um so like you can book a call with me I don't offer consultations why because when you become a client we have weekly meetings and I'm all yours you know like on a weekly basis one for updates and two like just to talk strategize yeah. or even talk about the art you know like maybe we're in the art concept development phase and they need help you know so I always make huge disclaimers, which I do want to say that disclaimer, I am not a therapist disclaimer. I am not a lawyer disclaimer. Right. I am not a graphic designer. <laughs> like I do my best. If you want me to set up your website, your portfolios, I usually go towards the minimalistic style. And then unless artists have like, no, I already have my brand, my fonts, my colors. Great. Then you pass it to me and I'll just like me and my team will ensemble that. Um, but I do like, I do not have an graphic design um, I am not a salesperson. Don't give me quotas of your, like how much you want to sell your art. I will not right. actually do this. What I do do is business management. We strategize yeah. and then we keep your business running just like through all of the steps of the process that I said. It's um, so important. It's so, it's so key. Yeah. yeah our, um, we have social media where people can comment, ask questions. There's on TikTok. I mean, that's the whole, like you can find us, but ultimately just like go to our website and book a call. You'll probably be talking to me or to one of someone on the team, but definitely me. <laughs> well, if you're like me, I hopped over. Well, you reached out to me in a DM, which mm -hmm. I super appreciated. Thank you. Just mm -hmm. to say something about the podcast, which I love. And, but then I always dig in like, who's Sarah? You know, what's, what's, right, what's. Yeah. What are you doing? And I think you'll see if you go to the Instagram, which is, tell me what it is. It's at the time dot art. At the time dot art. You'll see, this is fascinating. What is she doing? So I said, please come talk to us. I've just really, it's like we were talking about with visual intelligence. It's seeing a need, feeling it yourself mm -hmm. and saying, how can I adapt what we already have and make it work for more people mm -hmm. and make, make it. So I'm then doing something that I love to do at the same time. And yeah. this is a great example. Your business is an example to me of a huge gap that needs filling and you're doing it with sensitivity, intelligence, compassion, and mm -hmm. vision. And, and I just think that's a very exciting thing. 
I don't think, like I said, I do think there's an aspect of the art world. It's not as a whole, but I think usually one or two bad experiences does like end up affecting artists. And there are like aspects of it that is predatorial. I don't think artists need to feel undervalued anymore. That's why I say I don't cap time on my meetings. Like if when I'm there, I'm there. Like I right. let's talk about it, um, you know, or let's strategize or anything. And I hope if anyone follows in the same business model that they do understand that because I do see a lot of people doing um, like consultations, you know, like teaching artists to be entrepreneurs. And I'm in favor of that. Um, but I do feel, and this is just my opinion, please, it's not like towards anyone, but like putting so much like a parameters against like an investment and just like, you know, oh, this here's a workshop or my course or like my consultation. And I'm like, okay, I, I understand the business does need to grow. I think there needs to be strat like strategized in regards to that. But then there is an element that like art is so emotional, like the whole thing, the whole mm -hmm. nature of an artist is something that's so um, authentic, it's genuine. And if we don't maintain that, like in some sort of way in dealing with artists, like you can kill the artist inside, you know, like the feeling yeah, you of, really can. of disappointment, of not feeling valued. And it's, I don't know. That's why our communities are very important as well. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking back to someone I worked with um, who was so talented. She was young. She was recently out of school, but re I just... In my opinion, after working with so many people, she was very, mm -hmm. very, very talented. And she was also frozen, absolutely frozen in place. So mm -hmm. she worked for a larger company because then she could get an assignment and do that work. And she had taken herself off Instagram. She had a lot of, of uh, anxiety, comparison anxiety and things like that. And mm -hmm. I think of her being matched up with someone like you. Mm -hmm. where you could say, great, you don't have to do it the way that everybody is seeming like you should in air quotes. Like you mm -hmm. don't have to approach Instagram if that's not the way it is, but let's mm -hmm. take your creativity, your passion, what the things you're interested in and what do you want to do with it? Do you want to always work for someone else or would you like to, I'm just using this as an example because it seems to me if someone like that could find someone like you, mm -hmm. it's just like you're you're putting your arm around their shoulder and saying, I see you mm -hmm. and let's dig in and let's see where we can take this in a way that it works for you. And you're con you can be confident because I've been there and I'm going to mm -hmm. help you with the stuff that you don't necessarily want to deal with. And I just think that that is the world needs that. Oh, I am excited like to see more people do it and enjoy it as much as I do because it's such an honor. Like Margot, I work, like I said, artists are geniuses. Like it's one thing for us to see the art like on social media, we can, oh, this is beautiful. Maybe I like it, maybe I don't, I don't know. But once you start getting to know the artists and their process, yeah. and this is actually something that I do help artists like in their marketing on social media. I'm like, listen, you need to at least have, but essentially have four content pillars for artists, for your yes. art. You can have other things as well, but for your arts, you need the four content pillars is your inspiration, your study, your experimentation, and then your creation. Most artists only focus on the creation part. They put time lapses because it's high engagement. It's like those oddly satisfying videos where you're like, oh my right. gosh, I'm canvas to finish piece. It's beautiful. Or like, oh, I'm posting here or whatever. But your inspiration 
like share what inspired you. Like, Oh, I read this book quote, or I saw this movie, or maybe it's a life experience. I grew from this. I don't know. However, open article, share your studies, like the sketches, the, um, your mood board, if you have, um, just share like how you're puzzling the pieces of an, of a subjective concept, you know, an inspiration format and how you plan on materializing that. And then if, like this doesn't have to be the greatest content pillar, but show your experimentations, like you're testing things out, the material, the techniques, show that process. Why do I say these are essential content pillars? The creation might help artists like visibility, they might boom, but it's not the majority, like it's, you know, and everyone is betting on this one. Your intellectual property are on these, and this is where people are going to value you. So mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be your highest um, engagement content, but it's definitely going to be what people solidify, like, oh, you yes. know what you're doing and it takes time and it takes intellectual energy and all of that stuff. They will stop negotiating for your price work. They will stop like they will want to commission, you know, things will follow in place if you're showing the value. You know how like I use the example, we know what dentists and doctors do. Like we talk to them, we know they go to residence, to school, like all of that hard work, like artists, people undervalue thinking that it's not hard work and it, there's a genius behind it. So show that side, share that side, you know, use it as part of your content. I think that is such an important piece of advice. Those four pillars. So often an artist, I'll see an Instagram, I should say, that is the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Just say it's all pattern, for example. And yes, beautiful. But I don't see like I am looking to use somebody's artwork. I'm, I'm looking to hire them often or to suggest them to another company or whatever it is. All those things that you just mentioned do exactly what you said. They solidify you, the artist who's listening, what you do, how you do it, how you came to that, your thinking. And if the observer who's looking to be interested in your work can see that beyond mm-hmm. just the same thing, same thing, it you all of a sudden become the person behind your work. You And it doesn't mean showing your face if you're not comfortable exactly, with that. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't mean showing your face. It's showing here. Your, yeah, your it's showing mind. your thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I will even go as far, like, especially in the inspiration content pillar, like if you show what inspires you, most likely that will create connection for how other people usually feel inspired. Because here's the thing, inspiration can reach every human being, but only artists transform it into the material world. Only mm-hmm. we make it. That's our experience. Mm-hmm. Other people, they feel inspiration, like, oh, I read a great book, a quote. We see people post, reposting all of these all the time because they feel it. But they don't like they only really appreciate if it's materialized because they themselves aren't going to do that. So that's right. why like, oh, I'll buy a ticket to Taylor Swift concert because they lo- they resonate right. with her lyric. You know what I'm saying? They're not yeah. not themselves going to be musicians. So inspiration is a huge part to share because people will resonate. And like I said, people will buy. Well, I don't know if I said in these words, but here's the thing to buy art, which is an emotional product. People need to see themselves in it. So it's kind of putting yourself in the mindset of like, yes, your art can be about your intellectual property of what you create, what you enjoy creating. And there's also like as part of strategy to like, who is your target client? Because everyone else is like, oh, I don't know how to find him. I'm like, number one, look at yourself in the mirror. You're probably seeing who your client is like because they're going to be an extension of you. But number two, they're going to reflect the interest in the concept. Number three is if you don't know, then again, use social media, post your art on like your Instagram stories, open the question box and say, how does this art make you feel? People will buy once they, there's, I'm not going to, okay, I'm not going to say it as a definite, but people are most likely to buy 
when they have an interaction with a product or service independently of art. So give them that experience. How do you feel? And then they look at your art and they're like, oh, this blue made me feel this. Maybe it's aligned with their concept. Maybe it's different. But you know, like if they interact with it and they saw themselves and their interpretation in it, they're more likely to buy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I love it. I'm going to follow you because, you know, because then you're always surprising with a new piece of work, you know? Right. And it, and it gives that, what's the word I'm looking for? It just, it gives that connection that's not there. If they're just seeing, I don't know, thing after thing, yeah. it gives that connection. Art. And then, oh, buy my art. No one buys my art. But how are other people seeing themselves in it? You know, right. that's what needs to happen. They need to see themselves. They need to see how that can fit into their lives or whatever that project is. And it comes from those, those four pillars that was mm-hmm. very juicy advice saved good. towards the end. <laughs> good, good, good. I have all of these ideas. Like, so, oh so my good. gosh, we could go on and on. I have one question. What advice would you give to your younger self in terms of turning your creativity into something that can sustain you how, or how you can be an entrepreneur? What my advice would be? Yeah, do you, something that you wish you knew before. That's, that's a tricky one. Well, I don't want to say tricky to, um, I want to say like, just do it on your own. Like, but that's kind of what I did. <laughs> I did take my advice back then. <laughs> that's good. Um, maybe you're, yeah. maybe it's not to you then maybe it's to somebody else. All right. Then my advice is someone else who do want, who does want to make their creative practice into a business. Um, I would say first know what your strengths are. And if you want to delegate, delegate, outsource it. But number two, like is, it's a message. It's a conversation. Anything like art is the, selling art is going to be as good as your people skills. That's mm-hmm. like my like, and it doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, no one's buying. Then maybe I'm not a great. No, you're a wonderful, like wonderful person, but anything can be lapidated, you know, just yeah. a little chisel here and there, just improve, um, have evolvement always in mind, have movement. And, oh, I know what my advice would be like, just buckle up on perseverance. Mm. Like just it's, it's for the long run. Let's do it. Like it's for life, you know? So <laughs> I love how you said that buckle up on perseverance people right now. <laughs> do it. Buckle up on perseverance. Like it's not an easy fight. I always say like a career in art, like I don't like, you know, um, putting embellishments on the journey or anything. Like I hate people that like, like buy this one course is going to change your life. No, it's not. Like <laughs> I hate the easy cutouts, but the thing with art, it's a marathon journey. It's long. It's not a sprint. It's long. It's long. So think like who are going to be your pit stops to give you water? Is it a mentorship? Is it a course? Is it something like, is it one sale or an exhibition? Like, wow, put goals where those can be your pit stops of like getting a fresh drink of water when you're parched and then mm. keep going. Keep going. It's not going to be consistent. If you see artists, oh, can I say something that I think will be valuable? Please. There are so many artists that I've mentored and that I actually have as clients that they have hundreds of thousands of followers. Visibility does not mean profitability. Okay. Right. I just want to say that because people think that it, no, it's not the same. It can be a leverage. It can be, but you have to be smart about your visibility. If it just doesn't mean that doesn't mean sales it, and it even if it does mean sales like like momentarily sales it doesn't mean right. consistent sales right. throughout 
years because there are trends there. That's why I'm saying artists don't lose hope. Like I would, again, now that now it's all coming back to me, my advice, like don't, <laughs> don't dream. Like let's put realism. Like, and it, I'm, that's why I also started mentoring, like, what do you need clarification in? Like, cause some people don't understand the art industry. It feels like a maze. And you think people are doing well because they have the visibility factor, but is that the translating, like, is it converting to sales and all that stuff? And I can tell you with the amount of artists that I work with and mentor, like, it's not, it's not a necessarily equal. And even with the business model template that I have, I often like, you know, like use it on other artists. If they're not my clients, I just like measure of like, let me see on their website. What do they have as products or as services? And I kind of like try to figure out, not figure out, like you can pretty much ensemble things. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know how they're doing. And that's not not <laughs> put anyone down, but it's the same. Like artists, there's business structure, there's strategies, like, and people, I'm all in favor for faking it until you make it. But I do have to say a lot of people are faking it. <laughs> and right. like, and yeah. I make it. Like, let's make it. So you can make it with a thousand followers. You can make it with a hundred thousand followers. You cannot make it with a hundred thousand followers uh, the right. same way that not make it with a thousand followers as well. Such good (laughs) points. So much to think about. So much to chew on in this conversation. I am so glad to know you. Hi, Margamita. I'm so happy. (laughs) Like Anna Green Gables feels like you're a kindred spirit. (laughs) Uh, Likewise, for sure. I'm I'm really loving just this conversation and your thinking and what you add to what so many of us are challenged by, I think, that people that are listening. So I'm super grateful for you just saying yes to doing this because I imagine that we will want to circle back and have more conversations about this. Perfect. It was my honor, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I would love to know, of course, who's inspiring you right now. Uh, I feel very inspiring. Okay, so I'm a little biased towards my clients, like as artists. Anything. Oh, okay. To anything. All right. So I, like I said, Amy Herman, I've been rereading her book. I think she's just simply brilliant. And I would really encourage like everyone to read her book to understand how art can really change your perception and everything. Um, I have Sarah Calandra. She's an artist. She is so brilliant in her technique. Um, She is amazing. Like she's been teaching me so much as an artist. I'm like, oh, I didn't learn that in college. And then Wendy Brightbill, she I does a lot. Wendy. Do you know her? She's so I sweet. do. You are the first person that has said her as an inspiration. And she's been one of mine for a long, long time. I love her story. She's such yeah. a sweet spirit. And her artwork is so colorful and textured. And her courses and everything. These are my three main inspirations. I love that. I love that so much. And Sarah's new to me. So I always love finding someone new. And as you know, these will all be in the show notes as well as how to get a hold of you, how to find out more about you, Sarah. And I just super grateful for your perspective and your enthusiasm and just the fact that you're a like-minded fan of creatives and their process because, Mm -hmm. you know, we all are and we roll our sleeves up and we, we do it how we know best and to have a little bit of help and encouragement and I don't know, visual and visionary guidance along the way is, is a gift. So thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap 
to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.